Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for all that You're doing. God, we thank You that there's never a moment in Your presence where You aren't building something into us. Lord, whether we're at home praying, reading the Word, or whether we're driving somewhere where we're at work, we're never out of Your presence. Lord, moments like this where we take time out of our week so that we can be focused on You are so important. Thank You for what You will do in the lives of people here tonight. In Jesus' Name, we give You the praise for it, Lord. We really do. We honour You. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We, we honour Your presence. We don't come with our logic minds all charged up for sifting through, but we come with open hearts. We thank You for it in Jesus' Name. Amen. Tonight I want to speak to you, if you want a title for the message, it's Defeated by an Imagination. Uh, imagination plays a very real part in all of our lives and our responses. Uh, I was watching football the other night. Uh, <clears throat> it was a great game. And uh, right up to the last minute, amen, just be quiet in the cheap seat there. But uh, I don't know about anybody else, but if I'm watching a sport that I love, I literally move with it. You know what I mean? So I'm watching rugby league and I'm like this. And if I'm watching basketball, same thing happens. I'm, I kind of, you know, move my body. I'm sitting in a chair. I know it's television. And I know that it's not in my lounge room. And I know I'm not doing it. But somehow or other, my imagination puts me there as though I'm in it. And you know what? It's like you're watching a movie. Have you ever watched something and just the scary music coming along? Doof, doof, or whatever it is. Doof, I'd sing the Jaws theme if I knew it. Uh, but you know, your heart gets, starts racing. But you know you're watching. I've, I've sat in a, in a plane, you know, watching on my tiny little phone. Now they don't even give you a screen unless you're in the pointy end. And I've sat there like this and all of a sudden discovered dust in the plane was getting in my eyes. <laughs> I've sat there and then they start serving the meal and here's this big guy sitting there crying. <laughs> I'll just have the pastor. Thank you. Thank you very much. And yet I know that it's only a, a video that I'm watching. My heart starts racing or, you know, tears fill our eyes. You know it's not real and yet your imagination is so powerful that it can actually have a physiological effect on you. So therefore, I think we understand the story I'm about to read to you out of Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. It says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you will send a man, everyone a leader from among them. And so these are people that have got experience. They're people that have got some uh, ability to influence others. And they're the ones chosen. Now let's jump down to verse 21. So they went, that's the twelve. They went and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath, etc., etc., etc. Verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol. There cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried between two of them on a pole. 
They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed, came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at K- at, No, I read wrong right there. No? Oh yeah, I did. They brought back word to them and all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And look, here's the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. They were a giant race, huge people. We saw them there. The Amalekites, who were some of the cruelest people in, in that uh, part of the world, people that were known for their barbaric practice and their absolute aggression when it came to war. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out, saying the land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now tonight, many of you here have heard messages about this passage. Probably you could stand up and preach about it. But you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say at this moment of time to so many of us in this place and get us to revisit some of the truths that are in this. Because the reality is that up until this point, not one of those 12 men had ever engaged uh, one of the people they spoke about. they'd never engaged them in battle. They'd never actually gone into battle against one of the descendants of Anak, one of the giants, nor an Amalekite, nor one of the Hittites, nor one of the Jebusites or the Canaanites. They'd never gone into battle, but they imagined that they had. And when they imagined it, in the video that played out in their mind, every single battle they lost. They imagine themselves inferior, they tell you that. We were like grasshoppers in this site, but they'd never read a survey done by, you know, the Canaanite Surveying Council to discover what people actually thought about it. All of this, like the movie you watched, like me watching sport and my body movie, every single part of that, had played out not on the battlefield, not amongst the hills of the land that God had given them, not by the River Jordan that they were about to cross. None of that took place there. Every single part of this took place in the smallest space you will ever go to. The space up in here, the space of your imagination. And I've been around long enough and have been a Christian long enough to know that even though I'm born again of the Holy Spirit, and even though the inner part of me is made new in Christ, and even though when I come to Jesus, I'm instantly transformed. Instantly, the inner part of me, born again of the Holy Spirit. 
made new. As 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creature. It literally means a new species of being. And so even though I'm born again, I still have a brain and an imagination that was not transformed and that's going to take some time to transform it. And so there can arise a battle for a believer between the things that that I want to believe and the things that I see the Bible promises and the imaginations that play out of my mind. And some of you hear that where the imaginations of fear play out in your mind or where the imaginations of loneliness and being alone play out in your mind or the imaginations of failure that still play out in your mind or the imaginations of brokenness and and of sinfulness still play out in your mind. And those imaginations are incredibly powerful in your life and mind. And some of you here that have been Christians a long time still struggle because not of what's out there, but because of what's playing out inside of here. And tonight I wanna take a few minutes and, and help you, I trust, so that you and I can engage in seeing our imaginations different because like these people, uh, many people are defeated not by the problems out there, they're defeated by the ones that are up in here. And the result of that, Numbers 14, the next chapter goes on and says, so as a result of this, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. They were destroyed emotionally. Do you realise that some of the emotional overflow in your life does not come out of your problems? It comes out of the imagination you bring to them. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm certainly not a motivational speaker. I'm certainly not some kind of guru in that space, but I am an avid reader of the Word of God and I am an avid student of the Holy Spirit. And I've discovered that one of His greatest challenges is to shift something in this space up in here in my mind. When He gets Abram and says, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed, you are gonna populate the entire planet. And when He tells him that, The man's 75, married to a 65-year-old wife. Both of them are past the age of having children. And God starts really working on this man's imagination, starts doing things to get him to shift it. It took Abram 24 years to get his imagination lined up with what was in his heart. 24 years, it says in Genesis 17, verse 5, it says, and so Abram believed God. First time he'd ever done it. He'd heard God. He'd heard about the promises of God. He had imagined what God said. But in Genesis 17 verse 5, finally goes, you know what? I get it. And when he got it, he got it. Can I say to you tonight, when you get it, that's when you get it. When you get it, that's when you get it. For years, as I was on staff of a church, my job was helping new Christians. I would teach them about tithing, tell them about the blessing that God says belongs to tithers. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. That's so much, there's not even room to receive it. I'd tell them all that, but I never believed it because in my imagination, I was still the person who struggled. I was still the person who was poor. I was still the person who knew that lack, no matter how much good came your way, there was a bill coming around the corner to suck it up. 
And so I knew all of that. And I went like that for years until driving, I'm not gonna bore you all with the whole story, but until driving my old bomb of a car that broke down with my little baby in the back seat vomiting from the heat in my unair-conditioned car, I decided then and there that it was about time I got it. And when I decided about time I got it, I started to pray. But I didn't pray, oh God, please fix this. I started to say, oh God, please fix me. God, would you please start fixing me? So every night, everybody else would be gone to bed and I'd be up there uh, just in our lounge room and I'd be saying, God, this is what you said. I see what you say about me. I see that I'm blessed. You said everything I put my hand to is gonna prosper. You're gonna make it successful, everything I do. Well, you know, I didn't come from that background, but you know, it took about a month or so, I think, of every night praying like that for some period of time. And all of a sudden, one night, I, I, I knew that 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 I knew I knew I'd got it. I literally got up the next morning expecting to see a brand new car parked in my driveway because I didn't understand the way it worked. I thought that if I got it, God just would deliver it. Well, that never happened. And so I got a bit puzzled and then went on for another month going, well, obviously I know that I know that I've got it, but I don't have it. So I must keep on going. So I kept on going. Another month went by and another month went by. And then without me telling anybody, a guy comes up to me at church. I didn't know much about his job or anything about it. He came up and he said to me, you know, somebody ought to do something good for you. He said, I'm going to arrange for a new car and I'm arranging the finance of it. I'm arranging the price of it. Turned out he was the manager of a major uh, automobile finance company the state director, and I didn't ask him for it. I never went and said, I'm a Christian. Can you please help me? But you see, something, listen to me, something happens when you get it. I feel tonight like some of you here, for the the light's going to go on, you're going to go, you know what? Now I know how to get it. Now I know how to end this pervasive feeling of loneliness that traps me in self-pity and makes me fear the future. And some of you tonight are going to get it because I don't think we've just come here to have another service. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something in the lives of people. And some of you here that have struggled all your life with imaginations about you that always end up with you in pain or always end up with you with loss or always end up with you getting sadness uh, ruling your life. Some of you tonight are going to go, you know what? I get this because these people we we read here, they're emotional overflow. But most of us here, we want to have the right emotions overflow. They cried, the whole people wept that night. Keep going, verse 2. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation and said to them, if only we died in the land of Egypt, because that's really an answer. If only we died in this wilderness, another dumb answer. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? I want you to see something. Uh, Listen, a bad imagination never leads you to victory. A bad imagination only leads you to worse imaginations. If you don't arrest it, if you don't know how to turn it off, if you don't know how to replace it, It'll just keep on multiplying inside of your life. So they said, verse four to one another, let us select a leader and go back to the worst place we've ever known. Let's go back to Egypt. All of this comes out of 
and imagination, they imagined themselves into despair and they imagined themselves into fear and they imagined themselves into anger. Can I be this honest with you tonight that for me, my biggest challenge is not people and my biggest challenge is not circumstance and my biggest challenge is not some kind of obstacle in my way. My biggest challenge always is this thing up here, you know, because we all know how to say the right things in prayer, but oftentimes we go out of the place of prayer with our imagination unchanged. And that's why for many people, what they receive in terms of hope in a service is evaporated by the car park. Because their imaginations don't have the, listen, their imaginations don't have the power to hold the promise. Are you with me? Is your imagination, can it contain and hold on to the promise of God? Or is your imagination so tentative and so wired to go another direction that even though the believing part of you hears the promise, wants the promise, loves the promise, but you can't hold on to it because it just keeps on taking you further and further away. I know there are real battles in life. I'm not suggesting that there aren't. I've walked through a few in my life. You know, uh, some of the things that I've walked through in life, you know, they weren't my imagination. They were pretty real. Amen. How many of you know bills are not your imagination? How many of you are not sure about that because you really need some help uh, in church? Thank you. Uh, You know, if the doctor tells you you've got disease X, Y, or Z, trust me, that's not your imagination at play. Uh, it's, it's a real thing. But many people as well as that are defeated by what they imagine might happen or what could go wrong or what seems likely to them. Don't let your imaginations make your decisions for you. Let me ask you, now, what are you afraid to say yes to for fear that you might fail? Only God knows what you and I are capable of and I may not be able to be anything I want, but I'm certainly capable, capable of being everything that God has called me to be. So let me talk to you tonight in the next 10 or 15 minutes. Let me talk to you about changing your imaginations. I'm going to give you three Scriptures that come out of the New Testament and the Scriptures that have personally been a great help to me and still are. Because I don't know about you, but I'll lift my hand tonight and say I need help. Because I find too, too often an old imagination is gobbling up the promise of God. It's like the Pac-Man of, of imagination is gobbling up the promises God gave me and chasing after that thing. And, and I can be positive about it one minute. And I'm not saying about everything. It's not like I live my life like a yo-yo. But I find that no matter what place I'm in, I find I've got to hold on and start saying, God, I see this. This is what I see. Let's get into it. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. These three uh, passages, everybody should read them regularly. Maybe learn them off by heart, I don't know. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not human. They're not just something devised by someone. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Watch this. Casting down imaginations 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What's the first thing you've got to do is you've got to deal with the old imagination. Here's a picture for you. Let's have a look at the pic for a second. There we go. That's an old house, obviously. But you know, there isn't anybody here. My, my wife loves the Renault shows. You know, Nashville Flip, is it? Nashville Flip? Or... Look at all the people. Lots of you, obviously, you know, the titles of the things, you know. All these old Renault shows and you get in there and Rhonda's watching and I'll come out and I'll go, well, I like the colour, I don't like that colour. You know, or what's the one selling houses Australia? And, you know, I feel like if they ever go off television, you know, a gigantic vacuum is in my wife's life, that's for sure. But, you know, I know enough about renovation to know this much. Nobody here in their right mind would get up there and start going, you know what, I'm going to get some new roof material and I'm going to climb up on top of there and nail it down. Nobody here would go and get new cladding. Uh, what are you, siding you call it in America? You didn't know that? Yes, I've watched enough Renault shows. It's called siding. And they call it shiplap, shiplap siding. We call it weatherboard here, I think. Uh, but anyway, it's, there it is. But you know, nobody's going to go and get that and just kind of tack it over the top. Why? Because you know that structurally it'll be unsound and it can't last. Well, it's no different to when we try to come and go, I'm just going to believe this. I'm just going to get the promise. It's just going to be mine. In Jesus' name, yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. And we don't demolish the old things that have been a part of our life. And the Scripture there says this, that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. And that one of the first things it lists is this, you can cast down the imaginations that are in your life. Can I say to you, there'd be a bunch of us here that need tonight to say, I'm going to demolish the imagination that they gave me in primary school. Uh, a man I know wrote a book called Mrs. Phillips, You Were Wrong. The front page of it is his gold Rolls Royce. And the title of the book, Mrs. Phillips, You Were Wrong. I met him several times. I asked him about the title. He said, I think it was his third grade teacher who said to him, Peter, you will never amount to anything. You're not smart enough. You don't have what it takes. You are not going to make it. So the very first book he ever wrote, he put his gold Rolls Royce on the cover and the title was Mrs. Phillips, you were wrong. Can I say to you, some of us here, we need to say school principal, you were wrong. Teacher, you were wrong. Mum or dad, uncle, Artie, you were wrong. I reckon a whole chunk of us need to say this, point to you and go, you were wrong. All the stuff you imagined about you, you were wrong. Because really you've got to start to demolish some of those old things. The word casting, by the way, casting down, I looked it up. The Greek words that are used there literally mean, first meaning of it is to demolish. It says demolish old imaginations. How do you do that? Well, you stop the tape, don't you? You know, I don't know about anybody else. I, I'm, I'm a, a remote control freak. Thank you. I was uh, trying to think of a nice way to say it. That'll do. Because I really don't like ads. You know, the person who invents the delete the ad thing is they're getting my money every day. 
I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to change the channels. I'm going to get out of that. I'm going to mute it or whatever else. Because I just don't want it, you know. And if I'm watching a movie, I love the fast forward button. Oh, no, I'm not watching that. Or if I'm on planes, like I've been a fair bit lately, you know, it's, it's pressing the stop button. I'm not putting that in my head. Thank you very much. Bang, that's gone. Let's try another one. I think on my last flight, I went through eight movies trying to find one that was watchable. At least for a Christian anyway. Do you know there's a pause button and a stop button in your life? And literally you can go, I'm not going Haven't you ever found yourself going along and you're mulling over the same thing? You're wearing the track because it's just what you always do. You know, if money gets tight, you always think to yourself, oh no, I'm going to go broke. Oh no, we get kicked out of our house. Oh no, I'm going to lose the business. Or whatever else your imagination takes you down. Some of you here, the first pain or twinge, you think, I bet this is serious. This is going to be the end. Because your imagination takes it. And then I'm not here to go and psychoanalyze all the reasons why you may have got that. That's for another time, if you want. But what I believe is that every one of us needs to go, no, that's enough of that. I'm stopping that. I'm getting out of that. I'm not going to keep going down that track in Jesus' name. I'm going to demolish, cast down imaginations. Here's the second thing. The first one's demolish the old imaginations. Here's the second one is renew your mind. Because again, like that pic showed, you know, you, you don't just demolish it all and go, well, that's it, done the job. You've got to then build something new if you're going to inhabit it. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. The word prove there means to actually prove something by experience. It doesn't mean to prove it logically. It means that you are living it and the evidence of it is there in your life. That you may prove by fruit what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is in your life. Renewing your mind. God, this is what you say. I'll tell you what I do. When it's me, it's I'll get a hold of a promise of God and there's thousands of them. So it's not like you've got to search too far. I've already quoted one tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creature, a new species of being. It goes on and says, Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Well, obviously it's talking uh, about things that are yet to be experienced in your life because not everything has become new in your life. But I take a hold of that. And if it's me, then I go, God, this is what you say about me. And the first thing I always do is I read it and I declare it because I believe the power of your words is taught by Scripture as being something powerful. I get somewhere where I don't care who's listening. For me, that's out in the bush. And uh, I get out there and just start saying, Lord, this is what you say about me. This is what you say. And I just say it three or four times. You know, and declare that and say that if you chew your food 37 times every mouthful, you should chew the Scripture uh, at least more than once. It's not just the hearing of it. It says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing. Not just hearing. It says it comes by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing again. And the greatest preacher in your life is not me or Stephen Furtick or T.D. Jakes or Brian Houston or whoever else you might love. The greatest preacher in life is always you. You're the one you listen to more than anybody else. And so if that's the case, then I declare it. And then my second step is I always personalise it. Because God never said it about just the great mob. He said it about me. Lord, you say that if I'm in Christ, 
then old things are passed away and all things become new. God, old things are passed away. They've passed away, they've gone, everything becomes new. My third step is always after I've done that a few times is I personalise it. I read it, I, I read it, I personalise it. And the third one, I apply it to my life. God, what does that mean? Old things have passed away. God, that must mean that the old sense of inferiority, because that was definitely a part of me before. So God, that's passed away in Jesus' Name. Oh, I wish I had time tonight and I don't. The phrase this afternoon in my heart, I may get into it maybe next month, you know, the sons of the giants. Uh, you know, that Goliath was the one that is so famous and everybody knows about. But if you go to 2 Samuel 21, you'll read the story about four more giants. Two of them were his sons. The three of them were his sons. One was his brother. And I haven't got time to go in it, but if you study the meaning of their names and all that they were about, it actually talks about where you and I are. Because so many of us, we came to Christ and God delivered us out of stuff. And then later on, years later, the same, it's not the same giant, but how many know that the giant you killed back then when you got saved has got relatives? And they, years later, they came hunting David. They went after David. Every one of them went after David. The giant killer now gets stalked by four giants. Go home and have a read it. It's a fascinating, fascinating story. Because I've discovered this, that a lot of the things that have passed away quickly when I came to Christ, later on want to come back and revisit. They send their relatives who want to turn up. Awesome. If you think about it, the first guy is fruit. That's what his name means. The second guy's name means limited space. There's a giant that wants to contain you. There's a giant that wants to just corral you. And some of you here, you get into parts of your life where it's like the enemy's built a wall to hem you in, keep you where you are and stop you expanding. And that's a giant that comes against your life. Fruit, the place of your greatest strength and your greatest gifting is often the place the giant comes to first. The thing you declare, you declare the Word of the Lord and He attacks that Word. Anyway, I don't have time and I don't want to get too distracted in this, but I'll just chuck that out there for you. Renew your mind. Get a hold of the Word of God, which is the truth. Thy Word is truth. Get a hold of that and begin to put it in. Now, I know some people go, well, Jeff, that would feel fake to me. I go, but you'll watch a movie and you don't consider yourself a hypocrite or a fake if your heart rate goes up, do you? You don't go, oh, look, I'm so insincere. I'm getting excited watching this movie. I'm, my eyes are filled full of tears. I must be a fake. And so you don't consider your response to that to be weird. And yet somehow or other we get the Word of God and I've had people say to me, well, I couldn't say that because it's not true. And I go, no, what you mean is it's not true for you. It's still true. Huh? Next Saturday is the 50th anniversary, isn't it, of uh, the landing on the moon? But there are still people who that's not true for them. Never happened. It's a conspiracy. They filmed it on a Hollywood film studio. I know people who believe that. Like I met one of the ones, they told me that. I, I went, I couldn't help myself. I said, are you for real? Really? That conversation didn't go very far. What do you mean is it's not true for me? But that's what renewing your mind is about, is about making it true for you. Are you with me? Are you all here? 
Here's number four, three. Number them however you like. First thing I've got to demolish old imagination. Second one's renew your mind. And I, I just talked about that very briefly, but third one is put on new behaviours. Your behaviours are either strengthening your mindset or they're undermining your mindset. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, it says this, that you put off concerning your former conduct, your actions, the old man or old nature, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And here it comes again. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The three steps I've given you are all in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Put off the old, that's demolish the old mindset. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And thirdly, he says, put on a new nature. These boots I'm wearing tonight, I hope you can all see them. They are gorgeous and beautiful and were a very expensive gift to me from some people that wanted to bless me. They're really good. They tell me that the company's been bought by some gigantic conglomerate and they're, they reckon they're worth twice the amount. A friend of mine who supplies the leather for the company told me about this. He said they're, they're going to make them twice the price. But uh, they're beautiful and look at them. They're gorgeous and I wear them so well I should be a footwear model. They're pretty gorgeous. But let me tell you a, a bit of a story. When I tried them on, they measured my feet. They say, Mr. Woodward, you're a size 12E. That's the wide fitting. You're a size 12. And so I go, well, they told me I'm a 12E. And apart from the fact they didn't have anything any bigger anyway, I said, thank you very much. I'll take those. And so I put them on and I go home and I showed them to Rhonda. I said, look at this. And look, aren't they fantastic? And she said, oh, you, you just, wow. You're even more good looking than I remember. <laughs> I imagined that bit. <laughs> They're the right size for me, but I've got to be honest, the first day I wore them, after a couple of hours, I'm thinking, sheesh, did I buy the right shoes? They're tight. They feel a bit uncomfortable. And right then at the end of the day when I got home and pulled them off, well, the next day I got up and looked at them and thought, oh, gee, I don't know. I felt a bit uncomfortable yesterday. But I put them on because they were worth so much. And I wanted to honour the givers to me. So I put them back on. I wore them again. But, you know, the next day it still felt uncomfortable. I reckon that went on for about two weeks Probably it was about a week or two ago, having worn them, not every day, but a lot of days, all of a sudden I started going, gee, these are comfortable. I really like wearing these boots. And I put them on and I go, they're, they're me. Look, they, they suit me. That's where you all nod and go, oh, yeah, man, that's, best, <laughs> that's the best thing you ever put on, baby. Why do I tell you all that? Because I tell you that to illustrate to you that a lot of times when we are renewing our mindsets, when we're changing our, our imaginations, sometimes it all feels terribly uncomfortable and like it doesn't fit. We feel like that's not me. 
You try to be generous, but inside of you, the little brain is still saying, now, don't give it to them. They won't appreciate it anyway. And then what are you going to do? What are you going to do if a problem arises and you need that money and you just gave it away? Huh? Because the mindset doesn't fit yet. And you're going to have to do what I did and wear it every day or every second day for maybe quite a while until one day what will happen to you is what happened to me. You'll go, they fit. These really are mine. And they get to fit my feet. And can I say to you that the promises of God and God's imagination, He wants to make it fit you. He's designed it so it fits you. So when the Bible says in Christ, we are more than conquerors. And some of you, even I've sat in church where I've listened to the preacher and my mouth said, Amen. But my brain said, Oh no. Because it didn't fit. And the problem wasn't that I had the wrong thing. The problem, it, it was designed for me. If I'd gone back there, they measured my foot, they said, that's the size you are, that's your fit. But it didn't feel like my fit. And it took some time for it to blend around my feet. And I go, that's mine. It fits me now. And there's a whole lot of things that many of us here in this place will be able to look at and say, you know, it never fitted me once, but it fits me now. Maybe being positive was not a part of your upbringing. Maybe having a, a giving spirit might not have been the way you were raised. Maybe being generous with your words and encouragement was not the environment that you experienced growing up. And so for you, it's been a battle because you so quickly go to the negative and go to the critical. You so quickly go to what's wrong rather than what's right. Can I say to you, if you will work with the Holy Spirit and demolish the old one, it's falling down anyway. Come on, it's not going to work. That's what Ephesians 4 verse 22 says, it's corrupt. In other words, it's breaking down. It's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You think that it's protecting you, but it's, listen to me, there's a whole lot of things here that people have got in your lives and your minds you think are your safety. You think they protect you from hurt, but they're not protecting you from anything. They're keeping you out of what God wants for your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Bow your head with me a minute. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I pray, God, in this month of imagine, in this year of enlarge, Lord, in this season where we're talking about mental resilience and about what you do, God, you made our mind. So, God, we're not imagining anything outside of your promises or outside of what you've made available to us. We thank you, Lord, for helping us, everyone, in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak to our life. God, I pray for people here, Lord, that have had a struggle in that. If that's you tonight and you just want to acknowledge it before God, just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, for the sake of time, I'm going to pray with you right where you are. But you say, Pastor, I've struggled with this imagination, whatever it is, maybe in your life. It's just the way you see yourself. You think it fits you. And God is saying to you, no, I've got something fresh that I want to make your fit. Something I want to give to you in Jesus' name. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and I'm going to pray for you right where you are tonight and believe that God will touch you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands going up. Whatever it may be, maybe you look at yourself and go, I'm, I couldn't lead anything. You know, I'm so shy, whatever. Raise your hand before God. Say, God, tonight I'm going to start. I'm going to demolish the old. I'm going to put a new mindset in and I'm going to, I'm going to start behaving in a way that lines up with a new imagination for my life. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person 
every hand that's raised, God, you only are the one who knows. You don't judge us. You're not coming tonight to tell us how bad we are for thinking like that. You're coming alongside of us to help us. So thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's here right now. He's touching people right now. He really is. I'm not just saying that for to be the right thing to say. I know that right now the Holy Spirit is unlocking some of you here in this place, setting people free that have had imaginations, that they come out of the brokenness of your past and out of the, some of the things that have gone on in your world. And, and maybe the people meant well, but it left you shattered and broken on the inside and the inner image has been flawed. And the Holy Spirit comes tonight and says, I'm going to start healing that. And I start to come on, but he wants you to work with him. Pull down the old. Press the stop button on the video. It's, I'm not going to watch the rest of this. And then renew it. Put a different video in. Get a hold of the Word of God. This is what God says about me. And then start playing that and acting in line with that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for anybody that's here in this place tonight listening who has never really encountered Christ, who's never opened the door of their life and asked Jesus to come in. God, I pray tonight that they'll say yes to you. Simple as that is, they'll say, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm praying for you right now. This is not just the way we conclude a service. It's so vital and important because I believe there are people here and this is your moment. Maybe you've heard it before or maybe you've never heard it before. But tonight there's people here and you want to say yes to Jesus. Again, while heads about, if that's you tonight, I want to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to help you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I know I'm praying for you? Thank you down there. Anybody else, just wherever you are, you say, that's me tonight. Thank you, yeah. Anyone else just wherever you are, say, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. I want Him in my life. Then Heavenly Father, help each one of us in the name of Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. Maybe all of us can say it together just to encourage those that are saying it for the first time. If you want to say this after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me because I matter to you. I need your forgiveness. I want your peace. I need your strength. Come live in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can look this way. How awesome is that? So many people are taking the simple step of texting yes. You can grab, grab these cards out the Connect Hub. 0488 is the number. You text yes to that. And the day after at 7 a.m. in the morning or whatever time zone you happen to be in. Uh, if you're in Australia, you'll get a scripture and a, uh, a prayer. Fits on one screen of your smartphone. And you'll get that and you get it every day for 30 days or unless you opt out beforehand. And it helps people get started in a life with God. So many people have talked to me about it everywhere I go that it's made a difference to their life and that they've said yes in a minute. Oh, four double eight. 826-392. Do that uh, or go to the Connect Hub. I actually think, Foal, you're, you're the one manning that tonight, aren't you? Uh, then go and see Foal. He's a wonderful man. I know he'd love to help you and encourage you along the walk with God in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, I pray that that helps you tonight. Really pray that you get that inside of your life. And if it did, bless you, go. And you want to hear it again, you can go to the podcast.